1: Download our app today and enjoy straight up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos, and same game multi at Palmer Bed. Gamble responsibly. For gamblers' help, call 1800 858 858.
0: Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck, play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25 year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.
2: The panel. Talk to me, yeah. Yeah. panel this morning consists of uh, SENZ's very own Sam Hewitt and Sky Sports' very own Ross Carl. Good morning to you both, Ross. I'm going to start with you. It uh, looks like uh, just not the world closing in on Russia, the world of sport is closing in on Russia as well, which is well and
1: truly warranted. Uh, Morning, Smithy. Yeah, it is. It is. It's absolutely relatively warranted. Maybe from my point of view, a little late. I feel like Russia has become so intrinsic in the sponsorship of major sport, especially through Europe. People have been willing to take the blood money from these ginormous oligarchs in order to run their businesses, and sport needs money to get by. But now it's become kind of interdependent. You see Manchester United and, you know... FIFA have got connections, UEFA have got connections. Everyone's connected to the Russians. So to pull out of all of these Russian sponsorships, it's going to cost football, it's going to cost world sport millions of dollars. And it's not like we didn't know that Vladimir Putin was up to no good. You know, you look at Crimea, that happened before the last Football World Cup and no one seemed to have an issue there. Uh, World sport has taken its time and it's taken far too long to get to this point.
2: Yeah, I, I... I could probably concur with you on that. We sort of take it for granted. Abramovich, of course, at Chelsea as well with mega, mega bucks. He's handed over control to uh, somebody else at this point, which is probably sensible. But uh, Sam, what's your take on it?
0: well I think um, I'm not a big Abramovich fan uh, even though I've supported Chelsea for many years uh, Smithy and I think uh, he's probably just trying to get his hands clean there because uh, give it off to somebody else while this all goes down and then when it blows over he'll probably take the reins back I um, I sort of I agree with Ross that you know that we've built up this um, or the sport has built up this, um, this sort of Culture or this blind eye to just taking the money and, and not worrying about what's going on politically or behind the scenes, but you know there's a lot of athletes out there who have been vocal Putin supporters, and I think those athletes um, should, in a way, um, die on the sword. Um, and I know you spoke about with uh, Logan yesterday, um, Alex Ovechkin in the NHL, who uh, who has been a bit of a Putin fan, and you know there's actors out there that are Putin fans, and um, yeah, I th- I think um, by all means, Smithy, they should be. Barred from sport if, if they're supporting a regime That is, uh, you know Happy to invade other countries And start wars uh, Ross Cowell
2: Women's World Cup uh, Starts uh, very shortly In fact, Friday New Zealand against the West Indies uh, Live on Sky Sport, of course All the games uh, Fantastic news uh, For uh, women's sport in this country The start of a huge year
1: It is a massive year, isn't it, along with the Rugby World Cup. It's going to be some great watching, and it's really good to see events like these, which tend to, you know, capture a nation and will make a big, huge piece of momentum in behind uh, the women's sporting scene. You know, we really do need to get to a point where we see a lot more women's sport alongside men's sport on TV. I know Sky's got a lot of it, and we're pushing to to cover it as much as we can, but, you know, it it is still very much behind the eight ball after hundreds of years of tradition of men professional sport and uh, I think people are going to see, especially in the progress that's been made since the last Women's World Cup in 2017, the ability of the players has gone through the roof, the power hitting, the hitting arcs, the ability to play 360, the skill level has gone absolutely through the roof. Um, You look at the big bash and those legs like that, the 100, have given lots of opportunities and we're going to see, I suppose, especially the Australians who seem to be so bloody dominant playing some incredible cricket in the coming weeks.
2: Yeah, they were dominant going to the last one as well Ross and then uh, India tipped them over in a magnificent individual performance by uh, a a beautiful batter by the name of uh, Herman Preet Kaur who has uh, just found some form again for India on this tour Stay with us uh, fellas, Uh, we'll be back after the news with Emma with some more, uh, particularly on that Women's World Cup uh, and some other issues too around sport in this country and the world 10.30 here on SENZ Big Talk, Big Opinions The Panel Sam Hewitt from uh, SENZ Fame and uh, Ross Carl from Sky Sport Fame with us this morning as part of the panel. Sam, uh, we've got two Women's World Cups on our shores uh, this year. This is the first one of course neither of them are which uh, I believe we're going to enter as favourites. So playing a little bit as underdogs as such. What are your expectations for the White Ferns?
0: Yeah, good one, Smithy. Um, I I sort of agree with um, Simon Dool's comments. I think he was on your show, where he said that, you know, the problem for the White Ferns at the moment is that our top order, very good against average teams, but found out against uh, some of the better sides. And you know, I think it's a bit of a, I don't know if you want to call it a golden era, but I like the names in that White Fern side when you, you know, Sophie, uh, Sophie Devine, Susie Bay Amelia Kerr. I mean, there's some great talent in there and we may not see um, them again, you know, in, in a World Cup in New Zealand. So I'm looking forward to seeing them on home, soil and seeing them playing. But, you know, whether or not we're going to even make a final, Smithy, I think things are really going to have to go away. I think, yeah, we, 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 we do tend to struggle against the teams that are above us. Can we save the day today, Sam? Can we bet all day? I well see, this is the thing, Smith. Yesterday you know, we we were in this position where we were trying to, and Kiwis love doing this. We were trying to do all the calculations in our head, um, you know, of how long we'd have to bat for. Oh, we only lose a wicket by this. Ah, if we can get, if we can get through to dinner, if we get after we come back tomorrow, and we've only got you know three down, and we always make these calculations. But in my mind, Smithy, it's just dead. I mean, we can't bet a full day with with six wickets in hand. I, I just don't see anyone um, being able to stay the course. And we know what happens after with the Black Caps when they lose a couple of wickets. You know, guys just start. Going out cheaply, and that's exactly how I see it today. And I'm saying that as a very diehard Black Caps fan, Smithy. Unfortunately, um, the trend will continue. We cannot beat South Africa in a Test series. Sad, depressing. Sad
2: thoughts there from yeah, depressing. So sort of thoughts there or are. depressing actually when you get yourself into such a good situation after that first Test match. Uh, Ross, what what are your instincts here? Uh, can we expect the unlikely? Can we expect a Danny Morrison? Uh, Nathan Astle fight. Can we expect a Jeremy, a Jeremy Coney, Ewan Chatfield, rearguard action?
1: As I remember, that was Danny's last test match, wasn't it? But look, I, it don't, was. I don't think so. I don't really think so. Um, no, no. When you look at this wicket and what's happened over the last few days, the idea of holding on to, to five wickets, considering that we probably don't have the, the waggiest tail, apart from Neil Wagner, um, then, yeah, look, I, I just can't see it happening. I presume it'll be over by T. Uh, it's unfortunate that they've been so um, inconsistent at home with, you know, the, the horrible loss of Bangladesh and the turnaround and the win over South Africa and then the absolute turnaround the other way. Um, it's a bit of a worry. Uh, this is interesting,
2: this uh, news that just came through. Actually, Emma just read it out on the news there at uh, 10.30 that uh, they're using these games, these all-star type games, as, as punishment games. So Reese Walsh is only out for one game for the Warriors. Brandon Smith comes straight back in now into round one. Great news for the Warriors, but quite hollow punishment, isn't it, Ross? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's silly um, and you see this across all sorts of sports don't you where people use club games and send all blacks back to club games to play and then suddenly they're out of a ban, you know, it's all a bit of a farce, it really needs to be a first class game from whichever sport you're in, um, you know, at part of the major competition, uh, that's just ridiculous
2: Well it's interesting too Sam for me because I don't even think the Warriors would have considered this had Latrell Mitchell not used it uh, and to get off uh, his
0: charge as well. So I, I
2: think this is a-, a bit of a bonus for the
0: Warriors. Yeah, it is. And you bang on, You Once one does it, they all try and bend the rules. And yeah, it's, it is. I mean, the NRL... I would say, you know, trial games and that, I can understand them not being part of it. The NRL All-Stars, I mean, it is a pretty big game. We want it to be sort of an official game. So, you know, if we're putting it up there at sort of NRL or test match level, I don't mind it being counted as a game, but it is a bit of a farce that players do get off and get the sanctions sort of removed for these, yeah, for these sort of, um, unmeaningful games that take place like trials and that sort of thing. So, but it is great for the Warriors. It's going to be great to have Reese Walsh in there. Probably solves a few headaches for, uh, Nathan Brown, who was thinking of re-jigging the side. Um, but still the big question mark, Smithy, is over who he's going to have in the halves. And I still don't think he's made up his mind. I heard him on um, on Extra Time last night. I think he's still deciding. So, um, But, yeah, probably one less headache for him, having Reese Walsh at the back.
2: So I'm going to give you the trifecta opportunity here, Sam, because you've, you've probably said we're not going to win the Women's World Cup. We can't save the Test match today. So give us, you're going to give us a negative
0: on the Warriors season oh. as well, are you? <laughs> well... <laughs> It's hard, Smithy. Um, As a diehard Warriors fan, I look at the squad and I think, you know what, there's a squad on paper that should be uh, probably in the top four. I mean, it's, it's a definitely a top eight side, but could it even crack the top four? You've got one of the best four packs in the competition. If Sean Johnson plays to his potential, if Ash Taylor steps up, you've got arguably the best rookie in Reese Walsh. We've finally got some wingers that have some pace. Centres may be a little bit lacking. We've talked about them not having a world-class hooker, which is what you need to win a competition. But on paper, they should be a top four side. But, you know, in 2018, I said on paper they were a top four side smithy, and we ended up losing in the first round of the Panthers. So um, I just, I've learned over the many years to temper my expectations. Um, so if I was a betting man, I probably wouldn't be putting money on them, Smithy. Put it that way. Okay, fair enough. Sam. But the heart says uh, top I... four, Smithy.
2: Yeah, the heart, your heart, it beats strong. <laughs> uh, I'm not quite sure if that's a good thing or not, uh, to be to be perfectly honest. Uh, Ross, uh, you'll be fully across this. Uh, and uh, one of our former leaders at uh, Sky, Mr. John Filipe, once told me that uh, when the Blues and Auckland are playing well and the Warriors are playing well, he rubs his hands together because that's great news for Sky Sport. Uh, now, at the weekend, of course, the Blues uh, lost it in the 80th minute, uh, and we're hoping like kick for the Warriors this year from all sorts of perspectives there. Uh, so the Warriors for you, uh, are you excited? Are you a, have a little bit of trepidation about it when you think about the season coming up?
1: Uh, there's always a touch of trepidation. That's half of the fun of it. That's why Sad can call himself a diehard because they literally have to die (laughs) really, really hard (laughs) over a long period of time. Um, Yeah, look, it's exciting. The squad's exciting. I think we've said that a couple of times in the last couple of years. Uh, But they do have the potential to make it happen. So uh, can Nathan Brown continue to build on whatever he's trying to build? I I felt like last year they had a couple of close calls. And, of course, They've been doing it so tough away from home. You know, home advantage is massive in sport. And I know it's the most obvious and ridiculous and cliché thing to say, but it's true. And it's especially true in the NRL. Um, You see a lot of teams winning a lot at home and not a lot away from home. So, again, it'll be tough. I'm not sure Redcliffe is home. (laughs) Auckland is home and they're not coming back here for a while. So, yeah, uh, I would like to think that they can sneak into the eight. And Once they're in the eight, there's a chance. But when you have that many away games, meaning literally all season, um, it's pretty tough.
2: Right, Ross, I'll give you this opportunity here. Um, you can't put Roger a shek in just yet, but the uh, most influential players in the Blues uh, since, since inception. We've been doing this actually uh, week after week by doing each franchise, and it's the Blues' turn this week. And we'd just like to, Ross Carl's perspective on Blues players that he can remember being the most influential during the
1: history of the franchise. Oh, look, I think you, Carlos is number one um, because he was there for all three titles and he was the linchpin for all three titles. So he has to be head and shoulders above the rest. Zinny and Fitzy were there for a few years, you know, made a big impact early on. Um, Jonah and Joelly were there for a few years and, and made big impacts early on, um, but look. Carlos was there for a long time and their success revolved around him. So, you know It has to be Carlos and then maybe alongside you you could have Zinni, um, You know Joeli even Rupini, you know When you think about players who had a, a massive impact in the years they were there um, yeah, It would be an interesting interesting to see how they end up but Carlos is a certainty.
0: Okay, Sam your turn well, I mean, I was Carlos was on my list because I think when I think about the Blues, uh, as a kid, Carlos Spencer, that, that is the Blues. You know I'm a big Waikato uh, fan, big Chiefs fan me, so it pains me to tell you who I think is the best Blue, but uh, someone I could always relate to was Doug Howlett um, because who can't relate to uh, a fast white guy who just runs around everyone rather than running through them? And that is exactly what I did as a rugby player as a kid, so Doug Howlett is probably my favourite, um, but Carlos Spencer, probably the most iconic, most influential. You can bet... He can bounce on car
2: too, Doug, can't he? i say sorry. He can, he can bounce on car too, <laughs> I, I just thought that, that was one of his great, it was almost his farewell, wasn't it, really? But um, in the, I think it was the Hilton car park in, uh, at London Heathrow. Uh, one night when things just uh, got a little bit frosty there,
0: <laughs> and and <laughs> no, and, and, the, let... and the locks as well, Smithy. I mean, look, you can't, you, you don't see that sort of head to hair uh, in the All Blacks nowadays. So um, yeah, that, that was iconic as well.
2: Well, the women will say those eyes, those Doug Heller
0: eyes, mm. the eyes, the Doug Heller eyes were the one, eh? <laughs> That's where the, the speed app. came from. That's where the speed came from, Smithy. It's all on the eyes. <laughs>
2: Ross, plenty, uh, plenty uh, going on at Sky with your, your magazine shows. Um, how, how, are they, um, how are they sorting themselves out, particularly the rugby ones, going well?
1: Yeah, going good. Uh, the breakdown made a shift to Sunday this week, so we can get ahead of the game and be the, the first people in with the, uh, with the breakdown um, of the weekend's action on Sunday night um, from 7.30. So keep an eye out for that each Sunday night. You can get your, your rugby fix on what went on with you know, uh, Jeff, JK, Mills, Kirsty, um, we're starting a new show actually that I'm quite excited about speaking of the Warriors um, in a couple of weeks time on Wednesday night before the first Warriors game and that's called Once a Warrior with Monty Beatham um, so Monty obviously is pretty well connected around the Warriors and he's got a Rolodex that can get a hold of pretty much anyone who's played at the clubs so what we're doing is we're spending half an hour with a former club icon getting into some yarns about things that happened in the dressing room stories you didn't know Uh, about what went on um, in the Warriors in their day, and then also some analysis of what's happening right now with the Warriors in the NRL. So our first month has got Ruben Wickie, Arwen Goodenbeal, Mark Tukey, and Simon Mannering, and then, you know, the world's your oyster. It could be Matthew Ridge. It could be uh, Mick Watson. It could be anyone who's been connected to the Warriors along the way. So that's an exciting show. Looking forward to seeing some of the legacy players from the Warriors. And so uh, that's probably the new one on the horizon that I'm really excited about.
2: Sounds cool, Ross. Look forward to that one with um, Monty Beetham, a true legend in New Zealand sport. Uh, so to Ross Carl and to Sam Hewitt, thank you very much, fellas, for your time on the panel this morning and those uh, those insights. Uh, Doug Howlett, not quite sure. He'll make my top four, but listen in, Sam, just in case. When making the double chicken deluxe
1: at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it